awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, we are privileged to sponsor people that go all over the world. And what we've been talking about this month is how to make our influence bigger. We've, we've been talking about you plus me equals us. There are things that we can do together that we can never accomplish by ourselves. And uh, as we go throughout this year, you're going to get a chance to see and, and be reminded about some of our missionaries that we support. And just remember to pray for them because that is one of the most effective things you can do. As we've been going through this series, we launched on the first weekend in February. We said that all the way back in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, God looked around at all of his creation, everything that was good. And he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so the only thing in God's entire creation that he said wasn't good is when he looked around and saw man trying to do life by himself. When he said, man is alone, that's not good. And I saw a statement this week. I saw a little cartoon about modern relationships and, and how we get isolated sometimes, how we can still be alone even in the midst of the people. The, the see no evil, hear no evil, and, and speak no evil monkeys. You remember them? They, the picture, they got their ears covered. They recruited a fourth monkey this year. And so the, the fourth monkey is kind of the sum of all of them. He sees nobody, hears nobody, and speaks to nobody. And if you can't see the cartoon that clearly, he's sitting there on his phone like this. So th even in the middle of a, of a generation in an environment where we have the ability to be more connected than ever, we've found ourselves in more isolation than ever. We've found ourselves alone. And it's still today, however many years, millennia later, it's still not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be isolated. And God's desire is for us to live in community. His desire is to turn our me into an us together. And, and community requires us to make a choice and a commitment and to be to come into unity, to build community with one another. And so this week, uh, this will be the last week that you can get your picture taken in the lobby throughout the whole series. We've been taking pictures to mark significant events and relationships in our lives. I want to say thank you to Jess and Steel City Selfies for coming and, and doing all the work to set up the booth in the lobby. Uh, it's really been a blessing to us. And I've, I've got several pictures of, of our family together and several pictures with you guys in the church. It's awesome. I put them in my office and they're reminded reminding me that I'm not meant to do life alone. So that's what I'm trusting. When you've gotten your picture taken or today when you go out there with somebody else and get your picture taken, put it somewhere where you see it and it reminds you, I'm in this with someone else. I'm not meant to do life alone. We are better together. So thanks to, to Jess and thanks to the, her bringing all the equipment. And if you're a guest, please get your picture taken with us today. Don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm just my first time or I'm not here all the time. Be a part of us. Come, come and grab somebody next to you that you don't even know and say, hey, come get your picture taken with me. And maybe it will be the start of a beautiful friendship. So each week we've been looking at the relationships that God wants to add into our lives. Uh, we started out saying God wants to add himself into our lives. That was, that was the selfie week. We we're working on our personal relationship with God and coming into community with the creator of the universe. Entering into the relationship with the one who is the Father, Son, and Spirit. He's living in community already and he invites us in to be a part of that and then the next week we said everybody has a selfie but we also have besties we have people that know us better than anybody else that we need to add into our lives to do relationship with somebody that knows us better than anybody else and even jesus his relationship with the father was amazing but he gathered in peter james and john and they walked closer with him than anybody else that walked with him while he was here on the earth. They were his best companions. And then last week we said, uh, I actually said the word homies from the pulpit. 
and nobody shouted me down. It was okay. I didn't get run out of town on a rail. It was awesome. We talked about having our friends with us. These aren't the people that are our best friends that know us transparently, but they are the ones that come alongside us. They're the first ones we call when we're going to do something fun. They're the people that hang out with us more than any others outside of Peter, James, and John. Jesus had 12 apostles that he hung out with everywhere they went, and they had followers that gathered alongside them. And this week, I want to expand it. The last level of relationship we're going to look at is me plus everyone equals us. There is, there is something. That this week, we're going to call this level of relationship me plus everyone equals us. That level of relationship is humanity. So, so we add our selfies, we add our besties, we have our homies, but we are part of humanity. There is something much bigger on it. If you want to say it that way, there is something happening on a global scale that we are related to, that God is moving among. And that's what we want to look at today. And uh, just because I'm a little bit nerdy or maybe more visual, if you want to put the next slide up, that's, that's a way you could look at it. Maybe that makes a little more sense for you visually. You're right there in the middle. You are yourself. You are a selfie. You have a relationship with God. But he wants to keep expanding our circle of relationships. Outside of the selfie, you've got a couple people. Not too many, but you have some best friends that you're in relationship with. And then the next circle we talked about last week was your homies. You have people in there that you hang out with. But there is a larger circle that includes everybody. That humanity is the biggest circle of relationships in our lives. This is the level of relationships that includes the people that you see at the grocery store, the other people around you in traffic, the people you see on TV, the people who look like you and who don't look like you. They look completely different. The people you see all over the world, the people from every city, every state, every country, every nation, every continent. That's what humanity is. And it can almost be overwhelming, but God has called us to remember our relationship with humanity as well. So we're talking about humanity this week. At some level, there's a relationship that we share with all people, and we need to value it and do something with it. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, uh, here's a picture of humanity. It says, for this reason, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family. On heaven and earth derives its name from the Father. There is no such thing as fatherhood without the Father. There, there is no level of relationship without knowing that God created everything. No matter who they are and whether they acknowledge Him or not, everyone was created by God. He gave the breath of life to everybody. Psalm 139 reminds us that each of us are knit together in our mother's womb. That's why we place such a high value on life in our church. Because God was the giver of life to all men. And there's something there that should be valued and protected. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, uh, they were preaching on the, on the day that Stephen was stoned. And he said this in Acts 17, verse 25, talking about God. The Father says he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men breath and life and everything else. Every person, it doesn't matter if they're sitting next to you in this room, you see them on TV, they're, they're on the other side of the ocean, it doesn't matter where they are. Every person was created in the image of God and given breath from the Father. That's a gift. He gave life to every person. That's a commonality that we all have. We were created by Him and we were given the breath of life by Him. That gives every person value and they should matter to us. There there should be nobody that we write off, nobody that we say they're not worth it, nobody that we look at and just say, oh, well, they're they're not worth me crossing the street and talking. Every person has value, 
because the breath of God is inside of them. Whether they know it or not, they have a father. Their life is a gift from God and it has value and worth. In, in one sense, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, oh, we're all God's children? Talking about all of humanity. In one sense, that is okay to say because we are all God's children. He is the father and creator of all of us. It says he gives every man breath and life. However, everybody say however. Thank you. I, not too many amens, but I got a bunch of howevers this morning. However, every, we could say we're all God's children. However, there is a difference between being his children and being a son or a daughter. Of knowing the father intimately, of having that relationship with him. If you are a part of humanity, you're missing out. If that's the only level that you look at, if you just say, oh, I'm a human, we're all God's children, you are missing out on the relationship that the Father wants to have with you. There's something that goes beyond. This is why Nicodemus, uh, when Jesus was meeting with him in John chapter 3, this is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's something, there is value to your natural life. There is something that's inside of you that God placed there. But to see, to know, and to experience the kingdom of God, you must be born again, is what Jesus told Nicodemus. That takes us from the humanity that we all share into a level of family that God has called us to. In church, uh, we, we talk about being born again. Sometimes you'll hear people use the term getting saved, coming to faith. Uh, being converted, whatever, whatever terminology you want to use on it, the, the meaning of that, let's not, let's not let our religious vocabulary keep us from reminding people what it means. It means you're living life, but there's more. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a kingdom. He has something. He has a great big family that he wants you to be a part of. And the way to enter into that, to move from humanity into family, is through knowing Jesus Christ. And that's part of the message that we carry to humanity. That's why that relationship is important. We can't just write off humanity and say, I'll never meet them. I don't know them. It doesn't matter. We have something they need. And that's why we have to continue to value that relationship. The moment you believe in Jesus, you access a life that you can't get any other way. A life that goes beyond the strife, the turmoil and the hopelessness that we see in the world around us a lot of times. There's something that we have that people need. And part of our calling is to let God's children. So if you meet people that say, oh, we're just all God's children. Part of our calling as Christians is to let them know there's more. There, there's, there's a movement from just being part of humanity to being part of the family. The us that we have with humanity right now, God wants it to go higher to become his family. Without Jesus, people are missing out on a relationship with their father. And if you've ever grown up in an environment with an absentee father, you know the difficulty of trying to live life without a father present. Or maybe you know somebody that grew up in that kind of environment. Maybe they even had a dad who lived in the house, but he was absent. Come on, if you've come from an environment where there was no father influence in your life, you know how hard it can be. How hard it can be to find out what is your identity. You know, I think that's I think fatherlessness is why this world is having such a difficult time with gender and, and who am I and, and what how was I created? Because they don't know who the father is and who he made them to be. If, if you grew up without a father, you've known the difficulty of trying to find affirmation in life. People people want to hear they long to hear someone say, you've done a great job. 
I'm proud of you. I, I know people that they, they have done and done and done and tried to just continue to burn themselves out until they could hear somebody just say, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. And if you don't have a father to speak that into your life, you're just going to continue to work yourself to death. If you grew up without a father, you don't know what it's like to be embraced and to have somebody tell you you have value. And that's part of the world without Jesus. They're not having a relationship with the Father. And they're not having those things spoken into their lives. Jesus made it very clear when he says, I'm the only way to know the Father. He said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, there's, there's no way to say, oh, I'm God's children and I found the Father some other way through, except through Jesus. He made that statement that I am the only one that can bring you into this relationship where you will be affirmed, where you will have identity, where you will be embraced because the Father loves you. The Father longs to be known by His creation and to bring all people into family with us. This is why in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, uh, this is a great verse that talks about what the Father did about our condition that we were in, uh, not knowing Him and being separated from Him. It says in Ephesians 1, 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Watch this. In the New Living Translation, it says, This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Come on. He got excited about it. He got excited about bringing us into relationship with Him and bringing us into the family of God. He didn't ask my opinion on it. He didn't ask me to be part of the planning committee. He didn't look and say, hey, is it okay to include those people over there? He did not ask us. He just said it was the Father's will to bring all people into that relationship with Him through Jesus. And it gave Him pleasure to do it. Holy cow, God is awesome. <laughs> Through Christ, we experience the benefits of adoption, of coming into a relationship with him, being brought into his family. I think in the Western world, we underestimate the power of adoption. Sometimes we look at him and we're like, oh, you're, you're not really our brother. You're not really our sister. You're not really our family because you were adopted. Come on, anybody ever hear somebody say that in a hateful way to somebody else? Isn't that a shameful thing to speak that to somebody else? And in the Western mindset, we have this picture of adopted people being less than. But in the culture that Jesus was speaking in, in the, in the biblical culture in the Old Testament, adoption carried weight. It mattered. When you were adopted, you were given the same rights as somebody that was physically born from your mom and dad. You got to be a part of the family lineage. You got to have a share of inheritance with the sons. Your name got in the genealogy record. You mattered when you were adopted. You were a son the same way as if you had been born by blood. And so when Jesus, when they use this word or this concept of adoption to say that's what happened to us, we were adopted into God's family. It's not saying we're less than you're not really a part of our family. It's saying you have the full rights of family, of sonship, of being a daughter. You matter and you are included in Christ. Adoption is serious and it is significant in God's eyes. It is the same as if we had been born by natural birth. And that's what Jesus did through Christ. The Father adopted us into his family and said, I'm giving you the same. This is why people in the church say, have you ever heard somebody in the church say, oh, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
Well, part of the reason that it's okay to say that is because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see the stepchild. He doesn't see somebody that, oh, you were less than. He sees his sons and daughters when he looks at us. The same as Jesus. Anything that the Father would do for Jesus, he would do for you too. Because we've been adopted into his family. I love, here's, I'm going to just read you some verses from Romans because I, I thought it was a great picture of the message that we carry to humanity, to, to everybody out there, whether we know them or not, whether we have a relationship to begin with or not, we have a message that we carry to them. And I thought this is a great picture of it. In Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 15, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Everybody say amen to that. Come on. Religious duty is duty. (laughs) Come on. You know what I mean by that. It'll kill you. It'll wear you out faster than anything. If you think you have to perform for God so that he'll love you, so that he'll accept you, you will die. And it won't be fun. He didn't give us the spirit of religious duty. Thank you, Jesus. He says, it didn't, he, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Some translations say the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption. You have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. Come on, that's, that is the prophetic declaration over our lives this morning. Because if you feel orphaned, you're not hearing the right message. You're not embracing it the right way. He says, you've received the spirit of full acceptance and you will never feel like an orphan again. There is a place for you. There is a, a belonging that comes when we are a part of him. You will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, our beloved father. When, when you come into the family, you begin to know that God loves you. He cares for you. He is a father that is a beloved father. In verse 16, it says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. The love that the Father displayed for Jesus, he has for us. The affirmation that the Father spoke over Jesus, he speaks it over us. You remember several times in the Gospels, the heavens were open. They heard a voice. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in him. Can you just, for a second, can you just hear the Lord say that over your life? This is my beloved son. This is my precious daughter. I'm, I'm well pleased in him. And I, don't, I don't care what you did last night, what you did in the car on the way to church this morning. I want you to hear him speak that over your life. We need, we need to hear him say that enough over us until we begin to believe it. This is my beloved son. This is my precious daughter. The Holy Spirit who filled Jesus to overflowing. There was no measure to the limit of the spirit that he had. That same spirit fills us also. Come on, we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And we are called to tell all of humanity that that relationship 
is available to them. If I just I just have this picture even of like somebody searching for their birth parent. You ever met somebody that was on a on a search for just I don't know who I am. They gave me up for adoption. They abandoned me when I was young. Whatever it is, and they're on this hunt for their birth parent. Can you just picture all of humanity in that state right now? People that don't know Jesus, that they've not come into that relationship, it's like they don't know who they are. They're on this search for who created me, who, who gives me definition in my life. Why am I the way that I am? And then what, who they're really looking for is the Father, and the only way that they'll find Him is through Jesus. And that's the message that we carry to humanity. And sometimes we, we forget this group, that, that circle that's so big of humanity all around us. We forget this group sometimes, whether it's because we're so busy or we think I'll never meet those people. What does it matter anyway? Jesus came for that group of people. We, we are in that group of people. And if he loved them so much that he came for them, we need to be mindful that humanity is all around us and needs to hear what we have to say. They need to see the message that we carry for them. He purchased people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that should make people from every tribe, tongue, and nation valuable to us as well. I, this was kind of an aside, but I thought that when we get into the, the situations of life and, and we feel the pressures of just ongoing stuff that comes our way, maybe you know that pressure really reveals what levels of those relationships are important to us. And, and sometimes, I'm, I am ashamed to say this in my own life, it doesn't take a whole lot of pressure for me to just pull back into that selfie relationship. And say, I don't know what's going to happen to all of you, but I'm going to be okay because I'm going over here now. Come on. If, if, if we were in a horror movie, I would never open the closet door with you. I'd be, I'd be pushing you towards the closet and I'd be running out the front of the house. Come on. That's pressure situations reveal to us what relationships really are the most important to us. And sometimes we'll, we'll take a little bit of pressure for our homies, for, for our friends around us. We'll take even more pressure for our best friends. Oh, I would go to the map for you. Like even Peter telling Jesus, I would die for you. But when the pressure really gets hard... There was Jesus all alone. Peter said, I don't even know that guy. And I, it just astounds me that the greatest pressure that could ever be exerted on somebody in the middle of that Jesus never wavered from his love for humanity and why he came to do what he came to do. Thank you, God. So what can I do? about that group of humanity around me? What are things that are just practical? How can I value that relationship and make it important to me? Here, here are just three, and we are going to actually do these this morning. Uh, we, we've already done one of them, but the first thing I think is the easiest thing to do is we can pray. You, you can impact the entire world without even moving your butt out of that seat. Come on. God couldn't have made it any easier for you to value the relationship with humanity and to do something for them than to say, hey, you can pray. There is power in prayer. There's authority in prayer. You can actually impact the entire globe all around the world, places that you would never, ever set your physical foot on through the power of prayer. That's why for every couple months this year, we're going to be highlighting a different missionary that we support and reminding us, pray for them. 
This month we're praying for India. You, you may never go to India. You may not be able to find India on a map. I, I don't know where, where everybody's background and if you enjoy geography or not. But whether you know where it is on the map, you can pray for the humanity that lives there. And ask God, God, send revival. Let them know that you are a father. Let them come into an intimate knowledge of who you are and who you created them to be. You can do that without ever leaving. We can pray. And we're going to do some more of that in a second here. The second thing that I think you can do is you can give. Uh, there's a picture on the screen of those are some of the missionaries that we actually support on a monthly basis at New Life Fellowship. Uh, we, we've talked about Pastor Prabhu a little bit with his work in India. And over the course of this year, you'll hear about some of those other people. Uh, in fact, we're going to have a treat just next week. Uh, Peter Newberger, our missionary that we support full time in Tanzania. Uh, they're in the States right now and he and his family are going to be with us next week. So you get to even hear a little bit more about missions and being in that mindset and what's going on in, in East Africa. But those are some of the people that we support. And the way that we're able to support them is we give. That's, that's part of what happens when, when we give our money. There, I love having the lights on. I love having running water in the bathroom. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to all go to the outhouse behind church. I love paying our bills, but there is an impact that we have on the world also when we give. There, there is something that happens. Our money goes into our community here, but it also goes beyond this community all around the world, reaching people for Jesus. And, and the, the last thing that's a very practical thing that we can do, uh, we can pray, we can give, we can go. There, there is a mission mindset that we need to develop in our lives that just says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to work on my relationship with God. I'm going to work on being transparent with my best friends. I'm going to have friends that I know that, that support me and are in community with me, but I am not going to forget humanity. And everywhere that I go, I'm going to be on the lookout for who, who needs that message that... You don't have to be an orphan anymore. You, you don't have to be fatherless. You don't have to be neglected in your life. You don't have to be lacking peace and hope in your life. Who needs that message everywhere where I go? And, and you don't even have to go all around the world. We can go to our neighborhood. We, we can go right next door and find out what's happening in their lives and in their house. God, God may call you to go halfway around the world, but I think no matter where he calls us to go, our mindset ought to be, I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm going across the street. I'm going to lunch today. I'm going to see a waitress. I'm going to see other people. I can go somewhere. So this is what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to take a moment. Uh, let's go ahead and stand together, as a matter of fact. That would be a great place to start. The, the first thing I want us to do is, is I just want us to say yes to God, to say, I will go. And, and he may not fill in a specific blank of where you're supposed to go, but I just want you to say, yes, God, I will be someone that goes. My, my mind will be aware of the relationship that I have with humanity and that they need to be your family. Let's, let's just take a minute to tell them that right now. Father, we say yes. We're, we're so thankful for the way that you sent Jesus to, to, so that we could know you, so that we could come into relationship with you. And, and I ask that we would be mindful of being ones who go, that, that no matter where we are, we have a message that we carry that will change the world. Lord, I ask that you would hear, hear the hearts of everyone in this room, Lord, that, that we are willing to be used by you, that we are willing to go. Thank you, Lord. The other thing that we're going to do before we leave this morning... As you, you may have noticed, 
if the worship team sounded out of breath while they were singing this morning, just because five minutes before sermon, the service, they, they were blowing up these globes. Um, we're going to take these globes and pass them out to different points in the room. And what I would like you to do is just gather around somebody that has one of these globes and pray for the world. Whether it's praying for India, where we have people, whether it's praying for China, where we have missionaries there, whether it's praying for South America, East Africa, I don't care where it is. You could say, hey, I'm going to lay hands on that globe and pray for Bridgeville. That's okay, too. But wherever one of these go, in in the next two minutes before we leave today, I would like you to go gather around one of these globes and just take a moment to pray for the world, pray for humanity, pray for those people that are living lives far from him that need to know they have a home, that they have a father, that they have a place where they belong. Can we do that? And after, after we take some time praying for the globes, uh, you are free to go. You're, you're dismissed if you want to leave after you pray for the world. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the us that makes up New Life Fellowship and in helping us to impact the world. If you want to pray specifically for India, Prasad is from India. We can pray for that right there in the second row in the white shirt. Thank you, Lord. Steve has his globe right here. You guys can gather around him. Mike's got one here. Thank you, God. We lift up the world to you, Lord Jesus.